<laughs> Look at me, Damien. It's all for you. That the power of Christ compels you. It's alive. Oh, it's alive. Don't you blame the movies. Movies don't create psychos. What's blood for? If not for shooting. I'm your number one fan. We all go a little mad sometimes. <laughs> Welcome back, all you creatures of the night to the It Records podcast. I am one of your hosts slash co-hosts of the show, Matt Johnson, joined as always by Peter and Lindsay, guys. We're so glad we could get you in the studio today here. It, I mean, the audience, we're in front of a live studio audience today. Hold the applause. They're loving it, too. <laughs> <laughs> Are you feeling okay? Because you called me Peter instead of Pete. It's uh, it's very strange for me. Ah, it's it's just been a while, so I, I'm going to be formal with you. You know, maybe by the end of the show. Yeah, you got to change it up. Yeah, <laughs> end of the show, I'll feel more familiar and be calling you Pete again. It has been a while since we last recorded. It has been. Yeah, um, the last episode was Freaks, right? Yeah, Freaks was the last one. Yeah, the Todd Browning picture that we did, but we fast forwarded about. 40 years, no, 50 years, 50 years for today's movie. We're in the 80s now, 1987. We did the Catherine Bigelow directed film Near Dark. Near Dark is what we did this week. But uh, before we kind of roll into discussion about Near Dark, this vampire film, guys, I'm wondering, uh, what have you been watching, horror or otherwise? Welcome to the show. It's time to find out what the terrible trio have been watching. Or who has been watching them. Okay, guys, you heard the disembodied voice. Who would like to take it up first? What have we been watching since, uh, I don't know, since we did Freaks, whenever that was? (laughs) (laughs) So I have a lot to say. Um, I can kick us off. All right. Yeah. Do it. Yeah, um, it is very uncharacteristic of me to watch so much TV, but that's what I've been doing. And so the last time I think we spoke, um, I was on season three of the OC. So I wrapped that show up. You know, that's a show that I have to say, like, I always wanted to watch it just because it's a genre that I I'm very familiar with. It's like home to me. It's like the Beverly Hills 90210 type of show, but it is so much better than I thought it was going to be. It was just a fabulous show. Like I just, I was sad when it was over. Okay. I so, get to defend is what you're saying. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, I really, I mean, it's no shows for everybody, but I mean, it just, it was, it was an experience. And I think like what we're looking for when we watch movies or where we, um, you know, watch TV shows or read a book, whatever, like we're looking to some degree for an escape. Right. And uh, that's what that show was for me. And so to on the heels of that, you know, I, uh, I started watching Dollface on Hulu and that's a quick show. It's like 10 episodes per season. There's only two seasons. So um, that's with Kat Dennings and Brenda Song. Have you guys heard of it? I have heard of it. Yeah. Probably not the demographic they target, but it's like Kat Dennings. I you think said Courtney has 
Yes. I, I had heard of it. I have not watched it. And I couldn't picture it until you told me the cast because I was thinking of Russian Doll kept popping in my head when you said Dollface. And I knew that wasn't right. But I've been watching Russian That's Doll. That's a good yeah. show. <laughs> I need to watch season two still. But I, I watched the first episode of that. But I, I just fell off of it. Yeah. Um, so that I just finished. And then I fell into another depression because, you know, I'm oh, no. a good show. <laughs> oh, yeah. No. And so. Uh, that happened I, to me uh, many times. Right. And so I'm on Gilmore Girls now, so that will keep me busy for a while. Haven't seen it yeah. before. Have you guys seen Gilmore Girls? I know it's not just a girl show. I've watched more I mean, than my fair was, share of Gilmore I Girls. Watch it. Sorry. Go ahead, Pete. What did you say? No, I was going to say, like, I was like, that, that wouldn't stop me. If, like, if a show is good, like, I yeah. would most likely seek it out. And, like, I try to, like, view any genre, but I've yeah. not watched it. It is very highly praised, and it's been on my list forever, so... Um, I have heard good things. Yeah. And then as far as movies, um, I watched Crazy Rich Asians, which mm-hmm. was amazing. I like that one. I'd never yeah, seen that's a it good before. One. Yeah, and then uh, Vanilla Sky, we just watched... Uh, oh. And I, I've never seen oh, it Oh, Tom Cruise? Before. Yeah. yeah, that was crazy. Have you guys seen I've, Vanilla Sky? It's been a while, I've yeah. never seen seen it that's is that cameron crow i believe so yes i think yeah i have not and seen cameron that diaz who that's right does cameron diaz is way too good of a job in her role in that movie she's underappreciated i feel like yeah like I she agree. did not like she definitely was famous but i feel like she deserved more praise than what she got i think she was very highly paid for a while um but i think you're right i don't think that you know she necessarily got all the praise she like she deserved. She like disappeared from like mainstream audiences, but like still stayed in the lane of like rom coms for like a really long time and was like appreciated by rom com fans, but not by like everybody because people view rom coms yeah. as like a lesser genre. Yeah, yeah. Or stere- that's, stereotypically, that's true. I feel like she had, and I, I like Cameron Diaz, and she was like early two thousands, late or nineties and late two thousands. She was pretty big but i feel like after bad teacher and sex tape you guys remember those comedies i feel like after that she kind of yeah yeah i like bad teacher i think bad teacher i love bad teacher i saw bad teacher twice in theaters aren't those i mean it wasn't that good but (laughs) i liked it i think it's a solid i think it's a solid movie but are those both jason siegel with her I, yes. Yeah, right. Okay. Yes. I've never seen Sex Tape, but I remember him being Okay, yeah, and he's a bad teacher. So okay, yeah. <laughs> yes, he is. He's the love interest, yes. I'm pretty sure. But yeah, that's it for me. Got a good thing going on here. Well, Lindsay, and you're watching Gilmore Girls. I've watched my fair share. There is a podcast. I will bring it up on a podcast. There's one of called course. Gilmore Guys I've listened to, and they do like an episode by episode breakdown of that show. That is and it's brilliant. Pretty that's a yeah. lot. <laughs> That's a lot. Yeah. <laughs> it's quite a bit. So if you're looking for more entertainment as you're watching that show, which has a lot of Always. episodes, that's the podcast. Always. Because, you know, like when you're watching a show, like even if it's like 20 years later, at least if you're anything like me, like I want to talk about it with somebody. And um, but you don't want to like spoil it for yourself. I did a lot that's... of that with the OC, like spoiling it for myself inadvertently. But that's what it's happens really funny. when you watch a show 20 years later. Yeah. It's really funny you so. say that. My coworker came up to me randomly today, and he's like, uh, you watch The Boys? And I was like, no, but I've heard it's good. And he's like, 
You should watch that so um, I can talk about it with somebody. <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah. That's all they really want. Yeah. They want that community. I need to talk to somebody yeah. about this. I just thought that I just thought that was funny. He's just like, yeah, you you, you need to watch that. And I was like, I, so I, I can talk I know, about yeah. it. <laughs> yeah. He didn't even defend that it was totally good. Fair. He just said, I need to talk to someone about it. So it could be really bad, but he just needs to talk to somebody about it. <laughs> yeah. He just needs to talk about it. Yeah. It could be the worst show in the world. And he's like, I just need to talk about it with somebody yep, else. Exactly. Fair. Oh, so Pete, what are, what's been on your radar since the last time? So not as much TV, uh, I feel like, but I have started rewatching Lost with Courtney because she's never watched it before. And I love that show. And I was really happy when she wanted to watch it because I was all for it. Lost was really big in the 2000s, right? That's oh, when it yeah. was airing. Yeah. yeah, I didn't watch it live. I actually got into it when it first went on Netflix. Um, or at least for me it was because I, I think when I got Netflix, it was like early college. And I think that's when it, it was either brought on or that's how I – or it's been on there for a while. But it was like when the streaming part was like, oh, now this is like becoming like a big part of Netflix because it wasn't always like that. It was like – just it was in the mail for a long time. Yeah. Did I tell this story? Yes. There was an intern at work who did not believe me and my coworker. My coworker is about the same age as us. That I was like, oh, when Netflix started, it was just in the mail. You have a queue online that you got like two movies at a time or one movie or how many you wanted and they mailed them to you. It depends how much you paid for it. Exactly. Yeah. How much you paid, you get how many movies you get. And then when streaming happened, it was awesome because then you could stream stuff. She's like, that's a joke. You guys are you guys aren't being serious. I was like, no, it was. When was the intern born? She is uh, probably 2000. 2000 <laughs> or like late like 90s. Gen yeah, Gen Z. Definitely. She, she was yeah. going to ASU. Okay, that explains Yeah, it. she's much younger than us. But she just thought we were joking <laughs> with her that Netflix went to, came uh, in the mail. <laughs> we've all been there, yeah. I think, like with the generation ahead of us. Like, no way that was a thing. Yeah. But it was. I think when I got Netflix, it was the first time they split the the online from the dvd plan there's like they're like okay this online portion is doing really well we're gonna make this its own thing is when i got netflix yeah yeah that was a great day but <laughs> <laughs> the movies i've been watching since we watched freaks i have watched glass the lost city the crying game death on the death on the nile peggy sue got married the movie we are doing today, The World's End, The Cotton Club, Doctor Strange, the the second one, um, The Big Sick, Mimic, The Bob's Burger Burgers movie, and The Big Chill. Oh, The Big Sick and The Big Chill, in the same same yes, viewing, and in the same breath. Yeah. <laughs> how how was the the Bob's Burgers movie? That's on my radar. I haven't seen it yet. I really liked it. I think. Uh, some people say it's kind of like a long episode, which I would say is fair to say, but I'm like, it's good. So I'm like, is that really a problem? Right. Do you like the show? Like, <laughs> so it's just a longer episode of the show. Like, Yeah, it's like there's definitely a little bit more meat to it than um, the show usually has, but it was perfectly fine the way it was for me. Cool. I'm excited for it. I like that show a lot. And... The Big Chill. Have you ever seen that yes, movie? Yes, my dad likes that movie a lot. <laughs> that makes sense. Yeah. It's a real... I feel like 
that's like a boomer nostalgic yep. movie, I would say. <laughs> uh, I mean, it has great, it has great music in it. It has a great soundtrack. Got it on vinyl. And it's like a little, it's a little older, like boomer generation, I would say. Because like, I feel like it's probably like, they're supposed to be like 40 years old in the 80s. Which I would say is older than, at least it's older than my parents and how they would be. But I think the actors portraying them were younger than that. Yeah, it's like Jeff Goldblum, right? Is that? Is, yeah. yeah, he's in it. Is it Kevin Klein? William Hurt. It's William Hurt. It's Kevin. Yeah, Kevin yeah. Klein. There's a lot of famous people. It's a in good that one. Movie. Yeah. And I liked it. I The weird thing for me was like near the end, and I was like, that was, just, that was a little too weird for me. <laughs> I think you might know what I'm talking about. Like, uh, Lindsay, do you care if I spoil the big chill for you? <laughs> you can go ahead and spoil yeah. the big chill. I think you you probably would like it. This part's a little weird for me. Obviously, it's different for everybody. But, like, out of nowhere, one of their friends, like, wants to get pregnant. But, like, through one of their friends that is there at their hangout, like, she wants to get impregnated from one of them. And she, like, makes it off-handed joke that she wanted to do it with, like, one of her friend's husbands. And that's what ends up happening at the end of the movie. And, like, the wife is the one that, like, got her, that convinced her husband to do it. And I was like, this is such a weird part of the movie. I don't know why it's that like this. <laughs> is a little okay. Yeah. Yeah. Like. Okay. I guess, like, you could say, like, you know, obviously people are different with, like, in, in open relationships or whatever. But, like, in the context of this movie, it just felt very strange. Yeah. It seems a little out of, because out of nowhere. She, yeah. She was like, I'm doing my friend a favor. <laughs> and then, like, and then, like, the next morning, she was like, oh, don't be, don't be so happy. Because he was, like, all smiley, like, in the morning. <laughs> and I was just like, are you fine with it or are you not? <laughs> you can't have it both yeah. ways. Yeah, exactly. It is like it is like felt weird, and like Courtney and I were like, "This is such a weird part of the movie," and I just can't get over it. Yeah, I could see why. Makes me feel like a prude. <laughs> like I'm just like, what are they doing? Yeah. Breaking the sacred vow. We're just old people now, right? We're all yeah. That not, now uh, we're that not I'm twenty year olds anymore. Married. You know, we're just old prudes. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not a hippie like they once were. <laughs> but I, I guess to, to round it out, I'll start with non-horror. Pete, I saw Doctor Strange as well, the second one. I did see that one. Watched a lot of History of Horror. I guess it is horror, but TV show Ooh. on uh, Shudder. Eli Roth? Yeah, season three is out there now at this point. Okay, great. I need to watch them. Yeah, they're great. They're yes, fun. it's right up your alley. TV... Friends, still trying to make my way through it. I think I'm in season five. Okay. It's a long, oh, halfway it's a long show. Halfway. Finished Moon Knight. That was only six episodes, though. Uh, and Obi-Wan on Disney+. Plus. Been watching that. Yeah, I'm watching that. And other than that, now we're kind of into movies and horror specifically. I've watched Cabin in the Woods, Dead Alive, mm-hmm. Shaun of the Dead, Behind the Mask, and then Halloween 1 and 2. And I want to watch Popcorn. That's on Shudder. I'm super excited to watch Popcorn. Oh, I've heard of this movie. I also want to watch yeah, that. So I haven't watched I'm going to plug Popcorn. Because <laughs> I'm pretty sure I will like it. It seems like it would be a fun movie. From I don't know much about it, but it just like 
I just feel like I've seen a lot of people post about it in like my uh, like collector groups that I'm in for like horror movies, and I feel like that gets brought up like every once in a while because it has like a cool cover. Yeah, and I'm just like, and I'm just like, ooh, that looks interesting. <laughs> but that, I guess that'll round out our what have you been watching since the last time we watched a movie together. But we watched one this week. We watched the 1987 film, as I mentioned, Near Dark, directed by Oscar winner Catherine Bigelow. And I believe this was my pick this week, if that's correct. I believe Near Dark, it was on Shudder right before recording this. I don't believe it's there anymore, but that's where you would have been able to watch it if you were looking to. Yeah, I, I, I begged you to pick it because I saw that it was on there. I'm like, we need to do this before it gets taken off because it is very rare for this movie to be streaming or available literally anywhere. Cause trying to buy that shit on DVD is like fucking $60. Yeah. Yeah. It's not even that easy on Amazon. I tried. It's ridiculous. It's, it's yeah. nowhere. So it was nice that it was on there for, for the month or two that it was. There's room. It's not necessarily a rumor. It's confirmed that it's being, um, released on blu-ray i guess i should say 4k blu-ray uh the timing of it is unclear because it got delayed but i'm hoping that i can buy it because it's a, it is a british company mm. so i'm worried about it being region specific but we're not talking werewolves today guys we're talking vampires specifically if you've never seen near yeah Dark. it's weird that we got to that point without <laughs> intending yeah. to we're doing vampires if you've never heard of near dark uh, quick synopsis, it really takes place with a small town farmer's son. The son is Caleb. He's our main protagonist. Uh, he re- reluctantly joins a traveling group of vampires after he's bit by a young vampire named May. And they become drifters together, essentially, in this town uh, as he roams in an RV with all these vampires, his crew. That's uh, Near Dark. And I got to say, this is my first viewing of Near Dark. I had never seen it before. I don't know if it's the same for you guys, if you'd seen it or not. It's my second time. I uh, My friend actually owns one of the rare copies that I was talking oh, about. Oh, nice. And I was able to borrow it from him then. But uh, my first time viewing, I'm not going to say how I feel about my second time viewing. My first time viewing, <laughs> I wasn't okay. super thrilled with it because I loved The Lost Boys. And I had like mm. recently, recently watched The Lost Boys, I believe. Before I watched Near Dark, and I was thinking, like, 80s vampire movie? Hell yeah, Lost Boys rules. Let me watch Near Dark. Mm-hmm. Near Dark is not like that. <laughs> no. And that's a very good point. These movies came out, I looked up, I think Lost Boys, they were the same year, 87, right? Lost Boys was just a couple months ahead of this one in July. And then this oh, wow. one came out early October. So And smoked it. Smoked it. Oh, I completely agree. (laughs) Yeah. So this is like when, you know, 80s vampire movies were on the rise. Yeah, which is funny because I was talking about vampire movies with someone that like in the early 80s, they were vampire movies are kind of on the out. But like 85 had Fright Night, which was kind of like meta uh, poking, not poking fun, but like kind of looking at the tropes of a vampire film. Yeah, and then 87 gets Near Dark and Lost Boys, which I think Near Dark's a good vampire movie, but like Lost Boys was a big movie, like a big success, and it was a vampire movie. So it kind of had a resurgence in the late 80s, it looked like. 
just writing sure there's that other ones, together. But I can't think of a lot of 80s vampires, actually. Now, I'm just thinking of John Carpenter's vampires, and I know that's like 2000. I think it's I think it's a 90s one. Is like close to the same time frame as uh, what Interview with a Vampire? Because that's '90s too, right? Yeah, Interview with the Vampires '94, and then Vampires by Carpenter. I thought that was 2000. Are you thinking of Dracula 2000? No, I'll never think of that movie. But uh, '98, <laughs> so it's close. Okay, it's close enough. Yeah. Um, okay. People, people are talking about the new millennium at that point. <laughs> They're talking about Y2K. <laughs> yeah. Or like Newman booking the wrong room or whatever. And Seinfeld oh, make like, your party oh. one year late. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which is <laughs> That's what quite it is, late. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, near dark. Uh, we can kind of get into talking about the movie, but. I think it's interesting to point out this is Catherine Bigelow's first directorial solo directorial debut, and she co-wrote it. Um, she'll go on to win Best Director for The Hurt Locker, in, I think, two thousand nine. But did she not direct a Loveless by herself? Uh, when did that come out? I thought it was before this. Well, let's give it a sh- let's give it a shot. We it was really William Defoe's in it. We got. I've never seen it, but I thought it was. I thought it was before this. We'll see it. We got. Audio visual stuff here. We got computers. Loveless is 1981. You're correct. It is before this, but she is not the sole director. She directed oh, with Monty Montgomery. Yeah. So, yeah, this is her first solo directorial debut, but not first mm-hmm. directing gig. Yeah. But yeah, I was, it's pleasantly surprising to kind of see her, not pleasantly surprising, but just interesting knowing that like her more modern movies or current movies she's known for are like Hurt Locker. Zero Dark Thirty, yeah, like these drama pieces that are more, you know, grounded in, in like real world events or based on real world events. Where that one, this one's it's a vampire movie, but it's also got western vibes to it, like yes. cowboys. She it's wanted a to make western a western horror movie. Yeah. She wanted to make a western, and they told her no because they're like no one makes westerns anymore, and that was. Mostly true. <laughs> yeah, but wouldn't the 90s go on to see, like, didn't we get, like, Tombstone and, like, Quieter? Yeah, we got a lot of Westerns in yeah. the 90s. I feel like a it was lot. Was Dancing with Wolves? I mean, Dancing yeah. with Wolves was kind of, yeah. You had Tombstone. You had, could you say, no, not Last Mohicans. That's not Western enough. That's, like, more. That's like, yeah. That's a French and Indian War. Like before. Yeah. yeah, so it's, like, before that time. Yeah. But, yeah, there was Unforgiven. Anyway, we can name. She was ahead yeah. of her time, I guess, and saying people are going to want westerns. You know, <laughs> you'll see. <laughs> I mean, Silverado is in the eighties. They built that car in the eighties. Is that Silverado? <laughs> oh wait, I got this in here. The Casden, the Casden movie. <laughs> so was it just me and the settings on my phone, or? Was this movie like literally dark when you were watching it? Like I couldn't really like get so, a clear picture half the time. Yeah, I think a part of that is definitely is it's filmed at night, yes. obviously. Um, film makes it very hard to do that unless you like light it in a very. The only reason why I can answer this question is because I've been listening to the Blank Check podcast and they've been talking about. Michael Mann specifically oh. and how he loves um, filming at night 
And that's why he went to digital so early in his career, because it allows you to shoot so much stuff a lot easier. Even though it looks shittier, you could, it's basically, it gives you more freedom to shoot like whatever time you want instead of waiting for like the perfect lighting or else you just like blow it out. So it's like, it's really hard to film at night on film. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I was just like, well, this is actually literally dark. And, uh, you know, if that's what you were trying to accomplish. Um, yeah, I think I read that it was night 40 days out of the 47 days that they shot. It was all filmed at night, 40 days out of 47. So that did, then that's why it was so hard to see. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, if that's what you're going for, you know, it worked. Yeah. I'm sure she could finagle that because it's a vampire movie. Yeah, it's it's dark. You know, it's we're going for dark here. <laughs> but I guess that's true. Like, there's only a couple scenes that come to mind that are actually in the light. Um, like, there's not a lot. it's like kind of the ending scene and when Caleb's turning at the beginning and he's like, which... We can kind of get into that. I mean, since we're talking about the beginning, but where he's like burning up in that field um, at the beginning where he meets May at the beginning of the movie, who we learn is a, a young vampire. They spend an evening together at night and they're kind of hanging out and getting to know each other. But uh, he's got to get her back before dawn and she bites him and it starts to turn him. And I really liked that scene where he's like trying to run home and it, you can see he's like smoking like in the fields, like stumbling to get home. I feel like I haven't really seen that too often in a movie. Yeah, it's. I think it makes it scarier for vampires because they're not instantly destroyed by sunlight like how it like in Fright Night. He is pretty much instantly destroyed by sunlight once that he is fully really like when that when the window shatters. And same thing with, like, a lot of other, like, old-school vampire movies. Yeah, that's a good point. That it's, like, it's it's more like an impending doom for them. Like, they, they can feel themselves start to cook, and yeah, they have to get out of it. They're, suffer, they're, like, suffering for, like, a solid, like, I would say, I would assume, like, five minutes before they explode. Yeah. A.K.A. they explode once they have too much sunlight. Right. <laughs> As we see at the end of the movie. <laughs> But I really like that scene. He's burning up, we said, because he got turned. And he doesn't know he's a vampire yet. But then on the horizon, this RV is like, comes out of nowhere and is like speeding down the road. Seemingly, there's nothing else in sight. And it just like comes in and snags him up and pulls him in. Just grabs him, grabs him in. Yeah. And I was like, I I don't know where this is going, but I'm, I'm intrigued now. Yeah. yeah. I'm hooked into act two, which, you know, once we're in the RV, we get what's his name? Uh, Severin, which is played by the finger lickingly good Bill Paxton, who is just that was <laughs> phenomenal. Yeah, yeah, that was the only name I recognized in this movie. It, interesting. Uh, what do you say? Lance was it? Lance Hendrickson. Yeah, Lance Hendrickson. Right, he's in Terminator. Right, I th- he's at least in Aliens. Aliens. That's what it is. Well. Aliens. He's a camera dude. He's a he's a camera. That's what I was gonna guy. say. Catherine James Bigelow, Cameron. who doesn't was was married to James Cameron in the past, and Bill Paxton, Lance Hendrickson, and the actress who plays Diamondback in this movie were all in Aliens, and then came into okay. are in this one near dark. There's a connection between those two. But I was gonna give a trivia. Wait. Yeah. The 
the woman who who's the older female is in Aliens. Yeah, the uh, the love Lance Hendrickson's like m- wife or motherly character of the group. Yeah, she's that's the woman from Aliens that's like obsessed with guns. I know that doesn't narrow it down, but like she's like has like a red bandana and is like yeah is like a badass is it, chick. Is her name? <laughs> I believe Vasquez is that her name in that movie? Yes, yeah, then that's yes, her. That is that is. And yes, she's she did not did not know that. Yeah, so it's three people from Aliens are in this one, um, the Cameron Bigelow connection back in the eighties. What's her name? Oh, I don't. Um, Diamondback's name, Jeanette Goldstein. I, I recognized at least Lance Henderson for sure and Bill Paxton, but I had a question to you. I mean, he's got a real interesting Henderson. Yeah, oh, very yeah. much so. But I had a trivia question for you guys. Either can answer. This is not the first Lance Hendrickson movie we have done on the podcast. We have done another Lance Hendrickson film, and he was the lead in it. Is it? Does anybody know? And it was okay. one one movie he was the lead that we did? Uh, that I can recall, at least one. There might have been more, but there's one. Oh, my God. All right. We did. Give me a hint. Like, how recently did we do this movie? Like, within the last year? Three years. Probably three years ago. Pre-pandemic, oh, <laughs> pre-pandemic, <laughs> and I don't think it was. It was not part of like a like it was those themes we were doing. It wasn't part of that. So it was like one-off people were picking. But I will say it was directed by Rick Baker, who is like a well-known special effects horror guy who did like the American Werewolf in London okay. special effects. So he directed it. So there might be a creature or some sort in the movie of some kind. Huh. Like, I don't know why my mind goes to the void. No, not the void. Huh. But a good guess. I was like, I don't remember. I don't remember him being in that movie, but I like because it made me think of like that movie was heavy in special effects. That's why my mind. It came out one year later. Creature. One year later. After Near Dark. This movie. Yeah. So '88. Then it's not an American. Not the werewolf one. No, that's Rick Baker. That was sooner. Yeah, that was 81. I always feel like that one's like later in the 80s, but it's like barely the 80s. That is really early yeah. 80s. Well, I'm out of ideas. I can't think of it. Pumpkinhead. Oh, we my did Pumpkinhead? God. Yeah. <laughs> I forgot oh, my God. That. Yeah, it's been a long time. Yeah, he's totally in that. Yeah. Wow. I, I forgot. Yeah. I totally forgot yeah. about that. But we've not done aliens. Wow. We've done Pumpkinhead, but no aliens, right? Or maybe we've done Alien. Have no. we done Alien? No. Oh man, no. how have we not done no, any of the aliens? <laughs> I mean, we also haven't done the original. That's Halloween. true. We have not. Nah. We have. Or Friday did, the Thirteenth. We did the. <laughs> yeah, we're a bad. We're a bad horror podcast. <laughs> Don't listen to us. These are staples. <laughs> I think for a while. Like in the beginning, I purposely ignored the really obvious ones because I wanted to be like more interesting by like covering ones that weren't as common. And maybe we just kind of kept that theme going for like a really long I mean, it took us a like while to do Scream. It, it like it took us like 20 episodes to do Scream, something like that. And then we just like kind of kept with like just doing with like kind of like offhand picks and obviously we did the exorcist really early but that's about it yeah the exorcist fright night torso torso was an early one torso was a that was really that early was, and hush 
I don't know if anybody's seen Hush, but I remember at the time that was like right when it came out, that Netflix one. It was really early. It was like right when it, when it was released on Netflix. But who's the guy who did that movie? Because now he does. He's he big. doesn't he do like all those what are those shows on Netflix that he uh mm-hmm. you know what I'm talking about? What are those called? The Haunting of Hill House? I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. Haunting of Hill House and Haunting of Blind Manor. It's the yeah. same guy. So, it is Michael Flanagan. Michael Flanagan, yeah. We were on that old Flanagan train before anybody knew about it. We were <laughs> I didn't even know who he was. Neither did I. That. Neither did uh, I. <laughs> the, the, yeah, I was like, I have no idea who that is. I think maybe I saw like a a movie of his because I saw Absentia a long time ago. Maybe fucking Oculus before we did that movie. Maybe after I forgot when Oculus came fucking came out. But I remember I, I it was like twenty fifteen. I saw that movie before I really even. Yeah, I remember seeing Oculus like before I even was super familiar with Flanagan. Well, Flanagan was not in this one. Henriksen was <laughs> bringing it all back to. He was. We meet them all in the. Uh, Caleb, our protagonist, you know, he's this Oklahoma cowhand cowboy guy who's now bitten and is a vampire. Is pulled into the RV where we meet Severin, played by Bill Paxton, Jesse, who's like the leader of this vampire group that's played by Lance Hendrickson, Diamondback, which is like seen as like the motherly type person, I feel like, of this crew. Um, that's played by, what is it, Jeanette Goldstein. And there's Homer, who is like a child. But he's been in this child's body for like centuries, we take it, or a long time where it's like the mind of a man, yeah. but he's in the body of a kid. I took it as um, Lance Hendrickson was the oldest of the pack because mm. he, he said that like, he's like, oh, how long have you been a vampire for? And he's just like, we lost the war. And he's like, what war? And he's just like. And I forgot what he said after that, but it was like, obviously the Civil War is what he was implying. Yeah, he said something about the South <laughs> right, or something. I think I want to say it was a, about 150 yeah, like, years old or something. Is what, yeah. 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 But th- I think they want to, at that point, they're trying to, they're going to kill Caleb, but May lets them all know that he's one of them. She's bitten him. So you can't kill him. Yeah. And then like Lance Henderson, like he's like, oh, I will give him a chance. He's got to make a kill. But if you can't do it, like. He's out. Yeah. Yeah. No pressure. They kind of live like a. They're like a real like. They're not grifters, but they're they're drifters. Like they just like go like from small town to small town, causing a ruckus, and then they get out of there. Steal cars, different cars to keep going. Yeah. Yeah, they cause a ruckus to feed and stuff, and it really has the vibe of like if they didn't, if they weren't, you know, sucking these people's blood to live as vampire. It's like those outlaws in like any western, like. Moving from town yeah, to town. It is Yeah. Like that's the life I want outside of being a vampire. Other than that, like I mean who's know, gonna stop them? Like, pretty good. They're like you know, especially in like middle of nowhere Texas. Yeah, that too. Like what kind of like they don't they don't have the resources to stop them really. Yeah. Like, what, you're gonna have like one sheriff that's like bullets that don't kill them (laughs) yeah and that was the whole thing with the dad trying to find the son it was like the one sheriff and it's like we're doing you know whatever what we can what we can it's like we're we live out in the middle of nowhere here we've we found the truck was the rv was torched and you know we have no other leads so we'll try (laughs) yeah it's like we have to ask other people to to look into us and they got their own problems yeah but it takes a while caleb 
they ultimately go into town to feed and we get these like montage of how all they all of them feed differently and how they lure people in to yeah like, like how they trick them yeah I, bill paxton was probably my favorite i enjoyed <laughs> he's like trying to like oh like pick these pick up chicks i guess yeah. you know he's he he's a acts as a hitchhiker who like picks up two girls who like pick him up in a car but then diamondback and jesse do like the exact opposite they were going to pick a hitchhiker up and they end up killing those two guys that they picked up uh, yeah and it was funny because they like turn the tables like we're robbing you now and then they're just like good luck <laughs> you picked the wrong people to try to fuck but Caleb's super reluctant. He's not like gung ho about feeding at all. He actually tries to go home on the bus, like get a bus ticket back to, I wrote it down, whatever that small town in Oklahoma. Does that happen? Does that happen first or does he accept blood from May first and then leave? No, it's, it's the other way where he's like, I don't want to feed. And he goes to get the bus and he's like feeling really sick. He looks like he's like really nauseous and like sweating a lot. And they, cop roughs him up and is like what's your problem what are you on what drugs are you on and, and so forth and they get him on the bus and he he's like gonna throw up and that's when he crawls back to her after he's like i can't leave town i yeah. feel terrible and that's when he feeds off of her where she like bites into her wrist and he drinks her blood and like it clearly gives him life so he's realizing that like i have to kind of do this in order to feel good yeah and he's like taking too much because she's like stop it you're like you could kill me like you you're taking too much. Yeah. And he, he had like a really, after that scene, had like a really weird, malicious smile. I feel like after, like he was like clearly happy that he was feeling better, but she was like, you're taking too much. Like you're going to kill me. And it was like a weird smile from him where I was like, he has like a bloodlust yeah, or something yeah. like kind of like, uh, I think like Bill Paxton has it the most when he's about to make a kill. Oh, what do you mean? Like be- <laughs> beaming, <Yeah. laughs> beaming to kill anything that moves. Yeah. Bill Paxton, yeah, is super high energy throughout this whole movie. He's the coolest thing about this movie oh, to yeah. me. He's just like, uh, he has spurs. He's got a leather jacket. He's just cool as hell. Yeah. <laughs> and then, like, he, like, walks like he's a tough motherfucker. And I like how in, when he's trying to entice Kale to make a kill, he's like, you know, fucking with the townspeople. And then he, like, holds Kale up. And he's like, go ahead, get a few. Get a few hits in. We're trying to we're trying to teach him something, and then like the town's guy like goes with it. I was like, I was like, this is so weird that that <laughs> yeah. that the that he kind of went along with it a little bit. Yeah, that that scene was interesting and, and definitely one of the best parts of the movie. Yeah, I was gonna say that's like the best. I feel like one of the best scenes in the movie is where it's after they that they feed the night we were talking about. They go to like a new town and they go into this bar in the middle of nowhere in the middle of the night. And it's basically they just raise hell. Well, I guess Bill Paxton does it first. He's really like antagonizing everybody in that bar um, the whole time. Yeah, he's just talking. Yeah. He's talking shit like immediately. Yeah, that's a standout scene for me. That's what I remember the most. It's that one in the ending, like Matt said earlier, are like definitely the two big standouts of the movie. Yes. Yeah, so much happens in that scene where it's like, and that that again, it feels like the outlaws coming into a western. Raising hell in that bar, and they end up trying to kill everybody in that bar to feed on them. Bill Paxton kills the owner with the spurs and everything, and they essentially are trying really hard to make Caleb feed. They're like locked everybody in this bar to like make him kill somebody, 
Yeah, they're doing everything. Him. They're doing everything they can to like ensure that he succeeds. So that like, you know, we said that we are gonna are gonna let him go, but we really want him to be a part of us because I think they definitely like having a pseudo family as like because yeah. they definitely like they act like they don't respect each other, but it's kind of like almost like brotherly and sisterly bonds is how I kind of saw it. Like, you're just like, you know, you're like giving your little brother a hard time. It's really like how they all like treated each other. It, it definitely, it felt like a, a, a close knit family for sure. But also like not only being the outlaws, but like outsiders, outcasts of society, just in general, like I felt like they wouldn't have been accepted anyway. And they were kind of, portrayed that way where like comparing to the lost boys that's 87 i feel like the vampires in that were like I mean, it was like Kiefer sutherland they was like teenagers almost like good looking cool kids yeah. almost like yeah. they were the cool group they were the vampires where these were the outcasts and parents parents don't understand because yeah. like they portrayed like parents of the 80s like just like super i would say conservative i guess is a way to put it like that like the traditional family unit is like they're making fun of that in a lot in last in lost boys because it's like the typical nuclear family they just like totally like hate that idea yeah definitely and so i feel like that's where it's opposite here but also in terms of vampires we're talking about these ones in near dark they are just themselves i don't even think we really see fangs that often do we like they don't even change like their face like in lost boys they become monstrous they show- and everything I don't yeah. think the show fangs. Yeah, at all. It, it's like they just look like normal people the whole time. They don't have. I don't remember fangs that I can remember, and they don't like have monstrous faces. They don't, they don't fly or anything like that. They don't turn into bats. They are just yeah. people who are immortal. Because Caleb gets shot in the scene, it's... but <laughs> lives through it. He's fine. Yeah, like it hurts, but like he's fine. It's all very subtle. I think. Yeah. Yeah, it's Which like all all refreshing. the lore. In a way, all the yeah. wars like turn turn down to like make it as realistic as it right. Could like be. we get it, we don't have to be hit over the head with all these tropes. So yeah, exactly. I kind of like that about it. Yeah, yeah. It's definitely it's definitely a nice, especially for like you wouldn't think they would be doing this in the eighties because like that time period is stereotypically associated with like your franchise slashers. Your Halloween sequels, your Nightmare on Elm Street sequels, your Friday the Thirteenth sequels—like just slasher, slasher, and slasher copycats. You didn't wouldn't think of of a Western influenced vampire movie coming out at this time. No, you would not. No, but I mean, hopefully, with like the pull of Bill, when did Aliens come out? Hopefully, like you know that pull. The the people. Oh God, it had to been like the year the year or two before this. I wanted to look this up. You know, that, a year or two before this, right? But weird science, isn't that eighty-five with him? Is it nineteen? Isn't Matthew Broderick never... in that movie too? No, that one's uh, Michael C. Hall, right? It, from Breakfast Club. I haven't seen weird. I haven't seen weird science, so I can't attest to that movie. It's been on my list for yeah. some time. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, nineteen eighty-five. No, it's not Matthew Broderick. I am confused. Oh. Robert Downey yes, Jr. Anthony Michael Hall. Re- uh, yeah, Anthony Michael okay. Hall. Sorry, Michael C. Hall's Dexter. Um, thank you. Um, yes, yes. But in that movie, Bill Paxton plays like the older brother, and I'm 90% sure, because I always laughed at his line, where he goes, time to pay the fiddler. 
to his younger brother, who is Anthony Michael Hall. Jesse says that in this movie, after Severon is killed, to Caleb, oh, and I was like, what? <laughs> is that a callback to that movie? Because I love that line when Gotta Bill be. Paxton says that to his little brother. That is funny. I, I love when like you that. could do that in <laughs> movies because I feel like now, like, you, you, it's like copyrighted, you know? It's just like, it's like when Arnold says, like, I'll be back in another movie that's not the Terminator. You're like, he could fucking do that. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, you just like, you're like, that's so awesome. <laughs> but. We're back to the bar. That's where we were. They were at the bar scene in near dark. And they they let one guy escape because they want Caleb to kill the guy, which he doesn't. So now there's shit. There's, you know, a suspect that could bring the authorities on us. So they, they crashed this night at this bungalow that apparently Jesse has stayed at multiple times because the owner recognized him. And Jesse says something to the effect of, yeah, I come around every 150 years or 50 years or something like that. Um, yeah. But then we get they, they stay the night there, but we get another a Western style scene when they wake up in the morning because the cops are there. The authorities in a shootout. Yeah, it's like a shootout. And they can't go outside because of the sun. It's daylight at this point. It kind of reminded me of like a little bit of like the shootout in assault on precinct 13 where they're just like, you know, they're like held up inside and they're just shooting through the windows and it kind of had like similar vibe to me. Yeah. Which is also, which is influenced from Rio Bravo shootout, which is a West famous Western that John Wayne's. Okay. I know you said assault on precinct 13 was. Yeah. Cool. Have you seen that one? That's Carpenter, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's Carpenter. I think you tried to, at one point we were, we were talking about like those borderline horror movies and that was one you were going to potentially do. Yeah, it is. It is borderline. Isn't yeah. It? And you were like, we would discuss it. Um, so that's still on the radar. <laughs> we could still do that. Uh, but I really like the shot here. No pun intended. When like Bill Paxton gets shot through the door because he shot the guy who was like at the door. He shot. And so a bullet goes through it, hits the guy, but he shoots in and hits Bill Paxton. But Bill Paxton's really affected because the sunlight comes in through the bullet hole and like catches yeah. him on fire a little bit too. I like really like that that sequence back and forth. I was like, oh, that's kind of interesting. It's yeah. cool. It's it's cool special effects wise and like how they did it practically, obviously because. That, that movie has no green screen stuff. <laughs> no, no, it doesn't. Um, but I think at this point, Caleb really endears himself to the group because he says, I'll go out to the car and turn it on, come in here, get you guys, and we'll drive out of here. And he does. And that's another Western style scene where I feel like he's like getting shot with all the bullets. Like he's the last man standing and he's just getting shot up as he's going to the car to, to get. The I one. feel like he's trying to prove himself. <laughs> yeah. No, you're fine. Uh, I was saying that I feel like he's trying to prove himself because he knows in his head that he let that guy get away. I don't think he knows that's the reason why they're there. Right. But like, um, he's just like, I need to make it up to them in my mind so that I can like as live with myself, I guess, is kind of how I took it. Yeah. And that's when he... Because like, I mean, like to him, it's it's, it's only family now because his other family is just like, you know, 
he's not going to be able to live with them anymore. Yeah, he's kind of he's now accepting this reality that he's a vampire. He needs the blood because he's been feeding off of May still. And he kind of endears himself to these this these group of people and they become like a family after he does that and gets the van and they stay at this other hotel where everything might seem hunky dory for Caleb but at this this next motel is his dad and his daughter who have been, not not Caleb's daughter sorry it's his sister Caleb's younger sister yeah. and his dad are at the same hotel that they're staying at and Homer and Homer yeah, sorry has taken a liking to his younger sister because he wants like someone else to to be how he is basically it's like he wants to have someone who's old in a younger body i guess i don't know it's, yeah i was kind of confused but it was, it was, weird. It was it a little was weird, weird because he's an old man and this is a young girl so i guess maybe she would get older but stay as a young girl like him so you could have some familiarity with like I guess he just didn't want to be alone in that in that concept. Just him being like tortured, I guess, in a younger body. Yeah, and we learn in that same sequence, or very, very close to that same time, that he was the one who converted Diamondback, right, uh, to being a vampire, and then, oh no, sorry, he converted May. No, May. To, to a vampire, yeah. and then Caleb came along, and now they're kind of an item together. So now he feels alone. He feels... Yeah, because like, he probably felt like like probably like an older sister. Yeah. Or I guess to him, a younger sister bond. Mm-hmm. And like, because Lance Henderson had like his girlfriend, and like and fucking what's his Bill name? Bill Paxton had himself, was baby. Lone He's a lone wolf. He just, he didn't, he didn't need mm-hmm. anybody. Yeah. He's fine. But the the sister and the dad come in in this like standoff scene where his dad pulls out the gun and Caleb's like, "Dad just put that away. That's not gonna. That's not gonna do any good." What do you mean it's not gonna do any good? What What are you talking about? And that's where Lance Hendrickson basically swallows that bullet. He gets shot with it. The dad shoots him, but he like pulls it up yeah. out of his mouth. To yeah, that was weird. That was crazy. Yeah, he's like. That's not going to do anything. Like <laughs> He's like, you should have listened to your boy there or whatever. Then just trying to do a Southern yeah, accent. Get out of here. <laughs> get. But Caleb gets away. Caleb takes his sister and leaves with his dad and leaves the vampire crew behind um, in this scene. And they're in the back of a truck, his dad's truck. And he's like kind of burning up a little bit. And, you know, because I guess it's sunlight. But he's also saying he's sick and he can't really tell his dad what it is. He never says he's a vampire. Actually, I don't even know if they ever say vampire. I don't know if they... They yeah, don't. They don't, they don't they but don't let's say. not expand on that until later. Okay. All right. We won't put a pin in that. But yeah, he's like acting like, don't take me to the doctors. They won't do anything. They'll kill me or something. Um, they can't fix this. And just watching this movie, I, I, I just have this feeling that this was like sort of supposed to be sort of like a bigger issue of like the AIDS epidemic that was going on in the eighties, like his situation where I feel like it's the blood transfusions that's going to, that turn him into a vampire. It's the blood transfusion that makes him not a vampire. The guys who come at him in the, in the train station and say, what drugs are you on? You look sick and stuff and don't take me to the hospital. I just feel like it had to be more of a bigger issue of like, 
what was going on you know, at the time. I didn't really think I really didn't think about that because like it's not preachy know, about it, but I just felt like the, the no, plot. it's not. Yeah. And like now, like because like in the eighties and nineties, AIDS was like very on the forefront of everyone's mind, and now it's. I would say little or not right. at all. Yeah, it just seemed like because because that's what's going to happen next in the scene is his dad apparently can do blood transfusions or does that for the the cows on their their land and yeah, it's like implied that he, he does it as a veterinarian. Yeah, so he's going to transfer the blood out of Caleb and he does and Caleb now is no longer has the the thirst for blood. It worked. He's no longer a V word. Yeah, it's an interesting cure. It's an interesting cure for vampirism. I thought that was actually pretty interesting. Yeah. Oh, and I, I, I like, sorry, kind of I had a as... note. And I was like, why did I like that scene mm-hmm. where he's in the barn and they do the blood transfusion on the table? But then there's like, he wakes up and his sister Sarah bursts open the door and the sunlight shines in and it hits him in the face. And like, they don't say anything at first, but I just thought that was a good film, like directorial decision to be like, Oh, he's not burning up from the sun. So like, he doesn't have to say it yet, but you can see that like the sister opened the door and he's flooded with the light, but he doesn't react. So the blood transfusion worked and he's. Yeah, it's an interesting. Yeah, yeah it's like Good film point. using film language to get the yeah, point across. Not being like, mm-hmm. I'm not a vampire. Huzzah. Right. Yeah. Showing that telling. Yeah. Classic example. Mm-hmm. I kind of, I just thought of this now. We're like in like Westerns. Or like olden medicine, they would use like they would use like leeches or whatever yeah. to like you know get the bad blood out. I guess essentially he kind of just let the bad blood out with like transfusion. Yeah, I don't know. That that just popped in my brain just now, and it kind of made sense. Yeah, and that's essentially <laughs> what they do: take the bad blood out, put some good blood back in. You're human again. You're mortal. But unfortunately, that is not the kumbaya of this movie. It's now the the vampires, Severon and them are coming back. We, yeah, they, they know where yeah. he lives. And they come back to, essentially, they're just trying to kill him because they know there's, like, he knows their secret, essentially. Is that the scenario? Yeah, you know, I think that's what it is. It's just, like, a little bit of revenge because, yeah. like, he, le- he, like, left them. Yeah. Yeah, and he'll never be one of and, them, so. And because, like, everyone, everyone else who knows about them has died. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Like, knows what they are. Because, like, the only other person that like recognized was that hotel guy, and he doesn't know that he's a vampire. Yeah. So they they come back, they steal Sarah, his sister, um, to lure him out. To which he has this like epic showdown with Bill Paxton, and he gets Bill Paxton gets exploded or catches on fire is how he's killed. But if you look at the cover of this movie and you see what looks like Bill Paxton with like his face charred or whatever, I don't know if you guys. Yeah. It's from this one scene. It doesn't look like that the whole movie, but it's from this this one scene where he's like catches on fire from being hit by the truck, the big <laughs> semi truck. That part is pretty cool, yeah, actually. <laughs> it's a cool scene. Where like he runs him over first. He runs over Bill Paxton. And yeah, he, he, he thinks he that does. like, oh, uh, I killed him. But Bill Paxton almost lured him to do it because he knew it wouldn't kill him. And that's what he Yeah, he's like crawls up the truck. And he's all like got the tire marks and like the burnt face but he's still coming for caleb doesn't work he gets you know blown up or whatever and that's when he fights off diamondback and and jesse right oh that's kind of like a a sentimental moment right at the end where essentially homer is in the car with sarah and may 
they're all, all the vampires that are left. Jesse, Diamondback, May, Homer, and they have Sarah and Caleb. It, yeah. And then yeah. Sarah escapes and then like Homer kind of goes after her. Cause he's like, uh-huh. he's like, you know, desperate to, for some companionship. And he just like, I feel like kind of just lets himself die. Yeah. He catches on fire. Cause he's just so distraught that like, he's always going to be kind of alone is how I took it that no one wanted to be with him. So he was ready to kind of be like, that's it. I was going after Sarah or I'm done doing this. How shocked were you that they exploded? Cause I sure was when I first watched it. I was like, I did not expect that. Yeah. <laughs> I was not expecting an explosion. Yeah, that was pretty shocking. Especially with Homer. Cause like, that was like the one that like hits a little differently and he's just like kind of like sad, and then he just like yeah. just fucking explodes <laughs> in the day. Yeah, in the daylight. Yeah, that's like one of the few daylight scenes. But May got out with Sarah, and Caleb kind of I think covers her up. May and Sarah yeah. and Caleb are like kind of co- covering her up and like basically embracing her. And I just kind of like that scene where and then it's all that's left is Jesse and Diamondback in the car. And I think they like realize that, oh, May is now. She wants to be with them. The rest of our family has gone. And that's when they kind of decide that. They're going to let the sun come in. They're not. They're they've, they're going to give up trying. You think that because they're trying to cover it up because they're using, you know, they're trying to desperately like sunproof the car. You think they give I up? I think they were desperately trying to, and they realized that it was kind of futile, but then they were also like, well, it's you and me. Like, we got each other, and this is how we'll, we'll end it. There's no... This is how yeah. we're going out. And they, they go out That's together. interesting. Yeah. And then May has her family with... Because she undergoes a blood transfusion, or the same one that Caleb did, and she'll, she can now live with Caleb and his dad and his daughter. Yay! <laughs> Near Dark. That's that's the movie. Did you guys think it was a commercial success? Same year as The Lost uh, Boys. I know it wasn't. I know it wasn't. <laughs> I was going to say, I, something tells me no. I don't have the exact numbers, but I think I looked. It was basically, I think, a $3 million budget, and I think it made $5 million or the opposite. No, it's the opposite. It had a $5 million budget and made three and a half. So it, oh, it very okay. much underperformed. So, yeah, that's not a success then. But I critics liked it. Her people liked it. She struggled for a while, right? Like making a like financially successful movie. I think Point Break was her first one that like that was like ridiculously huge profit. But like I don't think is that after fucking this one? Is Point Break her next movie? Point Break is not her next movie. She does Blue Steel next. Oh yeah. That wasn't profitable no, either. But it was night. That Only movie's good. Four years after this is Point Break, so it's not that far after this. And okay. then it's what is it? I got I had the whole list here. Yeah, after that, it's Strange Days. It's Strange Days. Yeah, I haven't seen the that. Weight one. of Water. I've heard it's terrible. I've heard it's terrible. K nineteen, The Widowmaker. That's a isn't that a Harrison Ford one? Submarine. Submarine yeah. movie. Liam Nielsen. But I think yeah, I mean, not until The Hurt Locker. Then did she kind of. Hit it big. I mean, that won the Oscar. And then Zero Dark Thirty was after that. Which is also yeah. very I think good. it was nominated for Best Picture as well. Um, and there's Detroit, I which I haven't seen, but I want to. I've heard it's 2017. Not yeah, Catherine Bigelow. I always love the trivia fact that when she did win Best Picture, that was the Avatar year for James Cameron. And it just makes it that much sweeter that she won. <laughs> I actually really like Avatar, but it is not a Best Picture movie to me. I mean, it is huge 
I mean, it was did huge for special effects and like, like he did a lot sure. for that avenue. But like, you know, it was a story that like we were, it was told like in a very similar way to like a lot of like, you it's, know, Pocahontas, yeah, Pocahontas or like essentially, yeah, yeah. It could win for best special effects and stuff. Like, that's, that's fine. fine. It was great, but as a whole movie, I just didn't think it was the best. But now we're gonna get Avatar two. That was just fucking. In like Christmas, yeah. so weird. They've, I think they've they signed on for five. I wish he would do other movies. Me too, honestly. honestly. Like I I'm miss fine. other James Cameron. I'm fine. <laughs> I'm fine with Avatar. I'll give him a trilogy, but five? Come on, that's a lot. I can't give him a trilogy because 2009 was Avatar. It's 2022. Thirteen years to make a second one. How long is the third one going to take? Ten years. You're gonna be how old, man? Apparently, gonna, he's not that. Yeah. Apparently, he's apparently he's did enough for three movies by now. Oh, filmed? You mean like he's already filmed them? Okay. Yes, I. That's what I heard. I thought a, he had three th- enough film for three movies, but it, it it just took a while for the special effects to get done because, of course. Well, yeah, <laughs> and this one's like water based, but I heard like that was the big thing was like filming them underwater and everything. Yeah. They had to wait for the technology to be produced. Yeah. It's like, okay, Cameron, you're obsessed with water. What's <laughs> we get it? Why? <laughs> yeah, you like going underwater, you weirdo. <laughs> That's what the bis is for. You did that already. <laughs> <laughs> well, that concludes our thoughts on Near Dark or the plot of it. Lindsay, do you have any trivia for us? This is generally the trivia time for Near Dark. You know it. Yes. All right. Um. Well, trivia, so please. This is a. S- you're good let's just put an effects in here <laughs> no it's the live it's the live drummer we have obviously <laughs> that has been silent the whole show just Stand by. Yeah. he was waiting just like just ready to go um so to start i just have a small nugget we kind of hinted at this a little earlier but yeah, I mean, at no point do you guys recall hearing the word vampire in the movie. It wasn't something I thought about until actually I looked it up. But, um, you know, I think they do a really good job, as we said, showing and not telling with this movie. We know it's a vampire movie and they never even have to say the word in the movie. So I just think that's kind of cool. You know, the subtlety can really go a long way. Yeah, I, I liked it a lot. I mean. I knew it was vampires, but they never said it. So, like, you, we clearly picked up on what they were going for, which is a good storytelling. Um, I appreciate that. Mm-hmm. But it, it get, in a, a similar vein, it reminds me of Only Lovers Left Alive. Did you guys ever, ever see that one? It's like 2014. Mm-hmm. No. It's by Jim Jarmusch, but it's Tim Hiddleston, Loki, um, and Tilda Swinton who was in Doctor Strange as well. Um, But they never say vampires, but it's like modern day. It was like 2014. And it's people who were immortal and they drank blood to survive. But they're never like, we're vampires. And they're just two lovers who live immortally together. And I like that one too. Cool. I'm going to have to check that one out. Yeah, um, I think, I want to say there was a zombie movie that we watched. I can't remember, was it Train to Busan? Or 28 Days Later, one of them also never says the word zombie in the movie. Probably Train. Probably Train. I was going to say, yeah. 28 Days Later. 
As I was going to say, I don't think they say it in that one. It's because it's rage infected or like, right. So I don't true. think they say it maybe in either. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, but um, now on to my real trivia, that was just a warm up. All right. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, this kind of ties into what we touched on earlier as well. There's a lot of fakeness in this movie and yet it's very clear, you know, we don't have those like I said, those tropes of like what we know vampires to be. Um, there's no like no reflection in a mirror. Um, you know, there's none of that, like uh the holy objects and like having an aversion to those or the garlic or, you know, anything like that. The soil of your homeland. Oh yeah. Right. Is it right. what we do in the shadows reference? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um but yeah, so I mean, and this um, is all from IMDb, of course. Um, that seems to be where you can get some of the best trivia. But yeah, I mean, they're portrayed more as, you know, obviously non-aging and they survive solely on human blood. And that's kind of our biggest hint other than not being, you know, able to go out in daylight as well. But yeah, I just, like I said, isn't that kind of interesting? I mean, I wasn't even thinking about it when I was watching it. But, you know, when I consciously think about it, it just seems like... We, we had to talk about fangs even like, did they have fangs? I, I mean, mm-hmm. in my mind they did, but I don't think they did. And it was just, I kind of, I picked up on the impliedness yeah. of it all. We just assumed it because it's just so ingrained into us to think that vampires have fangs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And the bite saying, yeah, she has to do the bite. Like that language even is just very reminiscent of the vampires. And I love that first shot. I mean, this is, kind of relevant but the opening shot is caleb with his hat down like kind of sleeping and the close-up of the mosquito drinking his blood and he swats it and kills it oh. that's the opening shot of the movie yeah little, good catch foreshadow yeah yeah definitely so then we were talking about the genre as well so both the writer and director wanted to make a western i guess but you know they were told no or that you know, there just wasn't enough interest. Um, you know, I guess this was a genre that really hadn't peaked at the time. So they were recommended to mix the genres. So um, that's how we got this horror Western. It's an eclectic mix that is near dark. And uh, I don't really know if you can compare it. Yeah. I mean, it compares more to like, I would say a Western movie than a vampire one. Like if you're like, if you think of a vampire movie, I, I mean, you think of Lost Boys or like Dracula or what are other ones you might think of that? I feel like it, this has a lot of like Western beats. Like if you like Westerns, mm-hmm. you would like this one a lot. But I mean, that makes sense. They wanted a Western more than a vampire movie. Yeah, that does shine through. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and wrapping up, apparently Entertainment Weekly named this movie as the 21st scariest movie of all time. What are your thoughts on this? Do you agree with this? Of all time? I definitely don't agree with it. Disagree. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. I don't agree at all. I wasn't scared. No. It's not really scary. Uh, I think it's definitely interesting. Like, it's very interesting how it's told. And it's shot very well. Because, obviously, Bigelow has, like, a certain style. And, like, mixing it with the Western style definitely makes it more interesting to look at. Yeah, I would say if you were like putting a list together of like greatest horror movies and you were talking about like just like from a cinema aspect of like how it's shot or filmed, it could definitely make that 
like, but not scary. I wasn't really scared. No. This one. That's it for trivia from me. All right. There's trivia then. We we did budget and box office, but I don't think there's any sequels or remakes at all in the talks. You said there's going to be the release of the Blu-ray, but that's about it for the future of Near Dark. Yeah. I think there was talks of it being remade, like there is for many horror movies. Yeah. And a near remake. I think I don't know. It could be done, I guess, but it would have to be really interesting. It would have to be by someone I would trust or just like someone who has a lot to prove, you know, someone who's like really trying. I feel like this movie, I don't know who would direct it, but I feel like the vibe of this movie fits very well into like this new elevated horror that people are like, like, Jordan Peele's Us, or what's the new one? Nope. I haven't seen it, but that's going to be kind of a Western, and that's going to have Western elements to it. Like, it's not really that totally scary, it. but it's like, it has those elements to it. Um, it could be scarier, but it's not like a straight, formulaic type of horror movie that you're... Yeah, I'm like, it's funny that you say elevated horror, because I think they make they kind of make fun of that in the new Scream movie, where like, she's like, I like elevated horror, like... Uh, Babadook. I can't remember what the movie. Babadook, yeah, Babadook, yeah. which is a good yeah. movie. <laughs> and it in like it's just like I feel like it's like them making fun of people who say that because like as a horror fan, I think that's annoying to hear people say that because like for them to discount horror as a genre is annoying to me. Horror that makes you think, I guess, is what you would say is elevated horror has always been around. <laughs> it's just like. You just got to look for it. It's like, you know, obviously your popcorn movies are the ones that are going to be the highlights because that's what makes the most money and, and has the franchises. Well, even I would say, he said makes the most money, but like Get Out was huge. That was Oscar nominated. But this that's same true. question, though, you were saying it's around forever. I was like, yeah, if The Exorcist was made today, it would fall into that elevated horror type scenario. Like it. Any Carpenter movie, Halloween was like, yeah, Halloween. Like the first one is not really that bloody. Like it's a, it kicked off that slasher craze, but it's not like body count heavy. Like that's not the whole point of it. Yeah. So that style's been around, but I just feel like people, if you're not in the horror genre, weren't looking for those as much. So you're used to like remakes or reboots or whatever. Found footages were big when we were growing up too. Yes. Yes, they were. Um, all right, I think with that, though, we can kind of begin to round this out with it. the penultimate question of defend or destroy. We've reached the conclusion of the podcast. Congratulations on making it all the way. You have one final challenge. The terrible trio will decide whether this movie passes the test. Choose wisely. Defend or destroy. I picked it. I'll go first. I'll say it up front. I defend it. It's my first time seeing it. I had seen, I'd heard about it for a while. I just couldn't find it <laughs> to watch Near Dark. Um, so I was excited when it was on Shutter, and I was very, very happy with it. Um, I didn't know what tone to expect. I loved uh, Bill Paxton's character. I really loved the filming of it. There were just certain scenes that I I don't typically see in the horror genre or vampire horror, at least, 
like there's even this scene where the the cop they're talking to the cop the dad is and it's like really shot like a film noir where the shades are kind of shut and the shadows are coming in over the cop as he's talking to the dad about like yeah. he can't find his son so it's just i thought really well shot it looked cool i like the western blend with the vampire the acting was great um and it was it was paced well i mean it was only like an hour and a half i think right hour 32 or something like that so it doesn't drag on I, I i really enjoyed it especially for a vampire movie that came out in the same year as lost boys which i like i like this tone as well for a vampire movie there's room for both yeah mm-hmm. just different tones but defend <laughs> i will uh get right to it uh i think that lost boys did it better <laughs> i didn't really care for this movie i thought that there were a handful of like mildly funny lines but i just didn't find myself as in as intrigued as Lost Boys. I don't care for Westerns, so it really didn't appeal to me in that way. That's yeah. fair. So for me, it's a destroy, but I can understand why it would be a defend for someone else. Yeah, I mean, you said you don't like Westerns. I even said earlier, this is more <laughs> of like a Western than a vampire movie. So that makes right. sense. <laughs> yeah, and that's it. Peter, take us away. Balance it out. Where, which way is it going? Are you going to yeah. defend it? Are you going to crush it? <laughs> Tip yeah. the scales. Uh, yeah, for me, um, I'm actually going to defend it. Um, even though with my first, this is my second time viewing, and I let on earlier that my first time watching it, it's kind of like how it, Lindsay was, was like, I compared it a lot to The Lost Boys, and that's what I was like, I wanted from it. Yeah. And I was disappointed, but now with my second viewing, kind of knowing what it was, I was like, oh, this is much more enjoyable this time around than I remember. And like, I appreciate it pretty much for the same reasons you're saying, Matt, it's like, it's well shot. And I'm actually a big fan of Westerns. I grew up watching Westerns and I'm just like, I'm a sucker for them. So it, it definitely fit into that mold of like, and then having the, I always am for like a mixed genre. I always liked those kind of movies, especially now the the, we don't really get that too much especially with two different ones, like Western and a vampire movie. You don't, you don't really get that right. anymore. That's not like a rom-com, you know, that we see all the time. Yeah. I mean, even the rom-com, like that's hard to find now too. True. Like that's the sudden, that's on Netflix. Yeah. That's only. not coming like, to theaters like, anymore. That. Yeah. It's, it's crazy. That's sad, but yes, it is. It is sad. I, 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 I think it's dumb movies. They're like, Oh, if it doesn't make a billion dollars, we're not going to bother. It's like, Jesus Christ, like that's a high bar. Yeah. <laughs> well, that, I guess that concludes our, our Defender Destroy. It's defended two to three, not unanimous, of, of Near Dark for, for the 1987 film. If you're looking to watch it, uh, as we said, it's going to be pretty hard. It's not on Shudder anymore. <laughs> uh, it was there. But other than that, you have to, to buy it if you have a copy of it, um, which I might do. We'll see. I did it for possession, so I might do it for. Wait, wait till the the new copy yeah. comes out. I think if it's 4K, it's not going to be region locked because 4K is not region locked. Okay, yeah. So that that is an option if you have a 4K Blu-ray player or an, a new Xbox or a PS5. Yeah, got one of those. Um, <laughs> so yeah, you can check it out by purchasing it. Maybe may, maybe it comes back to Shutter um, when the new release comes out. So people can, uh, I probably won't actually, because I want people to buy it, but maybe it'll be back on Shutter someday. But uh, 
Until then, you can get us on Twitter and Facebook. That's where we are at uh, for the most part. If you're looking to contact us, our website, we have a website up with all of the episodes you could ever want, but we're on everywhere you listen to podcasts from Spotify, Apple, Audible, Google Podcasts. It Records is still there live and in person. We're not in person. We hear us the thriving. thriving. That's the word. <laughs> we are thriving. And soon, Soon we'll have a Discord server up for all of you Discord people out there where you can get at us on the daily. Um, just like a Facebook group. Some of you know Discord is, some of you don't, but it's just a fun server to hang out with people. And you can hear us and ask us questions. But until then, I am Matt Johnson and I will remain in the shadows of my tinted out RV. I'm going to be the one exploding. <laughs> and Lindsay Broaches and uh, you better pray for daylight.